0: last few weeks we've been in this series called Dangerous, and the question we've been asking goes like this, are you dangerous? And we don't mean dangerous like Al Pacino and the Godfather or a serial killer or a drug dealer or anything like that. What we're really asking is, are you dangerous in the eyes of Satan? Like when he gets up in the morning, is he worried about you? Does he even care what you're doing? Are you a threat? And, and so another way to ask it is, are you a danger to Satan's plans to discourage and destroy everything and everyone here on earth? And maybe that's something that you've never thought about. As we, we walk through this study, what we're doing is taking a page from our nation's military alert system called DEFCON, which stands for Defense Readiness Condition. And this scale that our uh, nation's military leaders put together is designed to monitor threats outside the U.S. that that might harm our nation. And so uh, we've put together this hypothetical DEFCON system ourselves for the devil. And over this period of of weeks, we're going to ask this. If Satan had his own DEFCON scale... What kind of threat would you be? And again, we've put together three levels, and I want to read them to you real quick. And you just ask yourself, where do I fall on this scale? And they're in descending order. So the lower the number, the higher the threat. They go like this. DEFCON 3 is Satan is not remotely worried about you. You are no threat to his plans to discourage and destroy. He, he's just not worried about you because there's no Jesus in your life you're maybe at one time in your life you handed over the keys of your life to Jesus but there there's not a daily relationship there and you're certainly not positioning yourself to be used by God to impact the lives of others which becomes a threat to Satan he's just not worried about you then there's DEFCON 2 And it goes like this, you've grown in your walk with Christ to such a level that now you occasionally show up on his radar screen, uh, you know, kind of as a blip that comes and goes, but you're not a constant threat, but you're getting it to the point that from time to time he takes notice. And and again, all this is hypothetical, like don't go in the back concordance of your Bible and go, where's DEF CON at in the Bible? It's not there, it's just kind of, you know, we're go with it, okay? Relax, everybody. And so, so then finally, uh, DEFCON 1, the highest level of threat looks like this. Satan and his legion of demons are on highest alert because you are making a daily eternal impact on the lives of others for the glory of God. In other words, you're not perfect, but you're walking it. You're not just coming into church on Sundays and punching your church clock and then patting yourself on the back and say, you're welcome, God. I came to church again today hope you enjoyed that and appreciated my favor to you and 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 you're way past that you are walking with God and getting to know him and learning his word to such a level that it's starting to change who you are it's starting to change how you act and how you think and how you treat other people and when we do that for the glory of God I promise you Satan takes notice and he doesn't like it, and he will do everything he can to derail what you're trying to do to honor God in heaven. So I'm, I'm sure you're with me so far. Uh, let, me, let me say this. So uh, throughout this series, we, we wanted to do something fun, and so we've been each week showing a video of one of our staff doing something that most people would consider dangerous. And let me just give you a uh, some review week one. Uh, I, I actually jumped out of an airplane at 18,500 feet. Uh, it's the highest legal skydive in America. It was dangerous. Most of you would never attempt that. I'm quite proud of it. Last week I mentioned that I will never come up here and wear my skydiving sweatshirt uh, to show off, uh, but I might have worn it three times this week. Uh, and, uh, anyway, uh, I jumped out of an airplane. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, week two, Brandon, uh, our worship pastor, uh, he rode this little bull calf thing. It was cute. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, last week, uh, Jamie, our social media director rode this little swing like thing, like picture the kiddie rides at the fair, you know, that go around. It's kind of like that. And, and she was pretty scared, uh, but, you know, I'm not comparing or anything. Um, by the way, if you want to know who's really popular around here, Jamie's video has more than twice as many views as mine and Brandon's combined. So uh, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that her video was better or her act was more dangerous. It just means more people like Jamie. Uh, than than us so anyway this week uh, we asked one of our elders Chris Patton he's also our men's pastor uh, if he would test his mettle uh, at something that a lot of you would consider dangerous and this is how it turned out.
1: All right Chris we've been driving for three hours now where are we going? Heading out to a farm here in Alamosa Colorado and what will we be doing? It's my turn to be dangerous Gonna wrestle some alligators In the middle of nowhere In the middle of nowhere You can't stop uh, Can't stop, won't stop Where a brakes at I give him that ditty bop Like take that, take that, take that, take that I'ma put in work I'ma do that ASAP
0: You got with no teeth. I know,
1: face. I know. He's sleeping. as tough as this guy. <laughs> yeah, really. One, two, Go! go. These are strong. Yeah, for little ones. You want us to get on bigger ones? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to uh, keep <laughs> 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 I'm my biggest problem. You don't got the power. hey shut me down. That's not enough. You can't stop me. Huh, you're my biggest opponent. You know me, I know you, we know it. Whenever I fail, you've always been there. It simply <laughs> reminds me of Don't cease to amaze me and it drive me crazy. that huh, you catch every detail that I missed in the songs I'm making. Singing, you will never write a verse like Kendrick, never be the rapper, Rock got from Hendrix. Tops, and Alive. You will never be mentioned. Why, Angel? So don't hesitate you give him time to think. <laughs> yeah, well, I gotta think too. Damn, this, yeah. is <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> 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 this is dumb. Just Pull the your legs, hands on the back of your neck, make that jump. I don't that you got this. Could it, it be in your leg? Make more the magic skills. You can do it. There okay, you go. Jump go. On the All right, squeeze your you thighs. Uh, back your <laughs> knees up. Very fair. No things like Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this quick. You have to bend it.
0: Shut up, (laughs) Teeley!
1: Just remember (laughs) what (laughs) you're doing this for. What are you doing it for? Church. Church. Stop me hey. <laughs> you don't see when i'm growing you don't see where i'm going you only see in the moment you know my mistakes you never let go in huh, don't cease to amaze me and it drive me crazy huh, did you catch every detail that i miss in the songs i'm making saying you will never read a verse like kendrick never be the rapper rock out from hendrix top and alive you will never be mentioned why Angel ain't so high once about the trenches plus you a christian andy they will never listen andy plus When i do this make moves and make excuses huh if you know who i'm talking about then you got me my biggest enemy is me and even i can't stop me so i'm dangerous i just wrestle alligators question is are you dangerous you can't stop me you got the power hang shut me down
0: wow I'm just gonna be honest. I don't know if it counts when the alligator has a leash on it. So, anyway, hey. So as we've been as we've been walking through this dangerous series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at people in the Bible who, because of their faith and their actions, they prove themselves. To be a danger to Satan's plan to discourage and destroy. And I just want to take a quick second this morning to remind you that that is his plan. The very first week, if you missed it, go watch it online. Uh, but we, we walk through what Satan's plan is, and his plan is to discourage you And destroy you. He hates you because God loves you and he hates God. And and these people that we've been looking at are people who, because of their faith in God, have shown themselves to be a huge danger to what Satan's trying to do. And so last week, we looked at the life of this girl named Esther. An amazing story. She found herself in a really difficult, scary position. And uh, here are a few things we pulled from her story that actually are a part of our story. First thing is this, God has a call and a purpose for your life. I, I meet so many Christians who uh, believe in God. They want to do what's right, but they've never stopped to ask themselves the question, why am I here? Why did God put me here on earth? What, what's my thing? What does he want me to do with my life? Because, and, and I don't know the answer to that. That's something you and God have to figure out. But here's what I do know is he didn't painstakingly creatively create you just to exist and hang on till heaven that's not why you're here you're here for something and God wants you to do something and you you gotta start by asking the right questions another thing we pulled from the story Vester is the fact that trusting God probably won't cost you your life because it almost costs her hers it won't cost you your life but it will cost you something and we talked about how hard it is to to live with open hands and and hold the things that are dear to us with open hands instead of white-knuckled clenched fists. Uh, the next thing we talked about is that God knows what you need and when you need it far better than you do and as a part of the story of Esther her uncle Mordecai thought this is it I'm gonna die I've received a death sentence Uh, one of the king's men was out for him was gonna assassinate him and little did he know God was working in the background but not the way that he thought and that's the way it is with our lives. God is always working in your life. It may just not be according to your timeline or even the plan that you have for your, whole, your own life. And, and the whole problem with us and God a lot of times is we like our plan better than his plan. And so he knows what you need and when you need it far better than you. And then finally, we said this. When you learn to trust God more than yourself or other people, you'll know That you're becoming dangerous and and that's what the Christian life is all about is trusting God more and more and last week we took just a few minutes to say this if you want to trust God more get to know him more because you can't trust what you don't know all of you guys who are parents in here you would never just hand your kid to a stranger out in public and go hey would you watch my kid for a couple hours I'll be back none of us would ever do that because we don't trust people we don't know And a lot of the reasons some of you don't trust God is because you don't know him very well. And if you'll spend the time to intentionally get to know who he is and how he feels about you and what he wants for your life, everything else will come into better focus and you won't be afraid of stepping out in faith and becoming dangerous. So that that brings us to today. Uh, We're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 10 about a guy that we don't actually know his name. Uh, If you've grown up in church or been around church very much, you know this guy simply as the good Samaritan. And I think most of us, even if you haven't grown up in church, have heard that term uh, your whole life, usually associated with someone who commits an act of kindness for a stranger, someone who helps someone that they don't even know. But just in case you're wondering, what exactly is this Good Samaritan? Who are they? Why do we call them the Good Samaritan? Let me give you a little background. Obviously, this guy is called good because he did something good, and we'll get to that in a minute as we read through the story. But he's called a Samaritan, a Good Samaritan, because he's from a region in the Middle East called Samaria. This was a, a, a part of Israel that was about 40 miles north of Jerusalem, and when when, the, when Israel was divided into a north and a south kingdom, uh, Samaria was in the north, and, and they actually became opponents to the Jewish God and, and, and Yahweh, and, and they kind of turned, and these two groups of people, the Jews in southern Israel and the Samaritans in northern Israel, became Uh, enemies and and they hated each other and again we'll get into all that but but I just wanted you to have background and know this is why we call him a good Samaritan because he did something good for somebody that was in a really bad spot somebody that he didn't have to help somebody that most people were surprised that he would stop and help And he's a Samaritan because he's from a a little area called Samaria, all right? So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, you can turn there, but it'll also be on the screen. Uh, I I think it's important for us to gain a little context this morning. And so I want to start reading in verse 25 because this sets up the actual story that we're going to read. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, the Bible says this. Now, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life in other words he's asking them hey Jesus what if you're preaching this heaven thing how do I get there what do I got to do to get into heaven verse 26 Jesus replies what does the law of Moses say How do you read it? And the man, who was a religious scholar, he knew the Old Testament. In fact, most likely, as a young boy, he probably memorized most of the Old Testament, so he knew his Bible, and that's what Jesus is asking him when he says, what does the law of Moses say? He's saying, what about the Old Testament? How does it say you, you inherit eternal life? And this is the man's answer. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. But the man, wanting to justify his actions, says to Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And I love that last statement because this religious expert, also called a Pharisee, uh, is a lot like me in this last passage because what he's asking Jesus is, okay, I'm good at most of that stuff and I get love your neighbor as yourself, but does that count everybody? In other words, what he's saying is that doesn't mean her, does it? It, I'm all for loving my neighbors, but you don't mean him, do you? Because he really hurt me. And and, and surely you don't expect me to love everyone, do you? And, and, And so they're going back and forth and having this conversation. And this exchange is important because the story that Jesus is about to tell, right? Uh gives us a picture of what Jesus wants not just somebody thousands of years ago to do, but what he wants you to do every day in your neighborhood, in your family, where you work, on your kids' ball teams, at the gym where you work out. This story is not just a story about some guy, it's a story about you and me. All right, we're going to read the whole story and then we'll come back and break it down. Starting in verse 30, the Bible says this. Now Jesus replied, remember he says, well, who's my neighbor? Do I got to love everybody? And, and by the way, let me just say this. When you ask Jesus a question and he replies with, let me tell you a story, you're dead. Just, just forget it. Like Jesus is about to, to bring down the wrath of heaven on you and put you in your place. You have no chance. So if, if you ever ask Jesus a question and you hear this voice from heaven, let me tell you a story it's over okay and that's what's about to happen to this guy all right Jesus says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits they stripped him of his clothes they beat him up and they left him half dead beside the road by chance a priest came along a pastor of a church but when he saw the man lying there he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by Then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed to the other side of the road. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan. Remember, I I told you that, you know, 40 miles north of Jerusalem, but these two groups of people hated each other. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it the next time I come through. And then Jesus has this moment where he drives home his point. He says to the religious leader, he says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now you go and do the same. Now let's, let's take a few minutes this morning and pull some nuggets of truth out of this story. And the first one goes like this. The good Samaritan was dangerous because he allowed his schedule to be interrupted by the needs of others. That hit home a little bit. Sometimes when we read about people like Esther or the story of David and Goliath, it's kind of hard for us to put ourselves there because when's the last time that you stood toe-to-toe with a nine-foot giant, right? But this one, this one hits all of us because every day, whether we recognize it or not, we pass by people who are beaten up, left half-dead, on the side of the road. Let let me take a minute real quick and and kind of tell you about the road that this guy was on. So in, in this passage in Luke chapter 10, it says that this man was on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. But it's interesting and important to this story to note that Jericho was north of Jerusalem so we would say i'm going up to jericho right if if we were traveling north we'd say I'm, I'm traveling on the road up from jerusalem to jericho and and uh and he wasn't he was he was traveling south but here's the deal jerusalem if you've ever been in the middle east i haven't but just in researching and talking to people it sits up really high just like colorado springs some parts of the springs don't feel really high but they're around 7,000 feet above sea level and that's the case with the city of Jerusalem. And so when, when we say he was walking down, he was descending out of the mountains down into the valley of Jericho and that's why he was walking down. Now the reason that's important to remember in this story is that we're not, when he says, you know, when we see things like the priest saw the man lying there and passed by on the other side of the road, we're not talking about woodmen or powers Okay, We're not even talking about the, the nice little street in your neighborhood. We're t- think Gold Camp Road. If you've ever been up there, like a dirt road, and and it's it's in the middle of the mountains, there are lots of places for bandits to hide. In fact, I watched a video tour of this region in the Middle East this past week, and the guy that was narrating the video was just blown away by how many caves are in this area for people to to hide in and some of these fugitives and bandits and so they would literally hide and attack people on this road and the reason is is because there back then there weren't a lot of routes from one town to another you had this road and and if you don't follow this road from jerusalem to jericho you're going to just be trudging through the mountains and so this man Probably didn't have much choice, and and the other thing I want you to know is that the sides of this road aren't uh, a curb and then nice grassy area. This is a desert region. It's coming out of the mountains down into desert, so it's really dry and rocky and dusty. And you have the flat road that they kind of cut out, but then off of that, it's kind of looks like a ditch, a giant ditch. And so if you can let your mind go there for a minute, this man who was attacked was beaten up his clothes were stolen so he's left naked and basically thrown in the ditch to die that's what's going on here when when these men come upon come upon him right now we don't know why this guy from samaria was on the road that day uh we, we know this he probably wasn't going to jerusalem uh to to worship uh because he was samaritan and samaritans didn't worship uh the jewish god right um but yet whatever reason uh he was on there and and by the way he was busy he was going somewhere maybe he was on he had a job and he was doing something related to his job he was I'm sure he was busy just like a lot of us but here's the difference and the important part to note in this story the two men that day that most people would say are the exact people that should have stopped and helped this man they avoided him at all costs. It was the despised, hated Samaritan who in the middle of his busy day, just like you and I have, allowed himself to be interrupted on such a level that he didn't just go over to the guy like we do sometime and go, bless your heart, man. You know what? I'm going to pray for you. Pat ourselves on the back, right? Hey, God, I told him I'd pray for him, even though we're probably not right this guy took time to get his hands dirty and probably get this guy's blood all over him and and don't lose sight of this fact while he's allowing himself to be interrupted and care for this man who's been beaten up and left half dead on the side of the road in the ditch This man's taking a great risk himself because on this road, which is a busy thoroughfare in that day, there are other Jews and Samaritans. There's not only four people on this road that day. Even though it's not a big highway where there was a ton of traffic, it was the main way to get back and forth between these two towns. And so this man knelt beside this hated Jew to help him while other Jews were looking on and can you imagine them thinking what's he doing who does he think he is that he can bend down and talk to one of our people or or imagine his fellow samaritans who are watching this happen and they're looking at this man and going what in the world is he doing just let him die he's a jew we hate the Jews, and we don't have time to go into the whole story, but, but around the time that the kingdom of Israel was divided in the north and south, um, these people that ended up living in Samaria, they abandoned their faith, and they, they literally despised everything the Jews stood for. And so I can't, in strong enough words today, explain to you how inappropriate it was For this man to even speak to a Jew, let alone kneel down beside him and bandage his wounds. Everybody got that picture? This is a huge risk that he's taking. And one of the things that I think is amazing about this story is there's this crazy breakdown with us human beings because we were actually designed by God to do exactly what we see happening in this story of the Good Samaritan... Yet we do the opposite. Let me let me read a passage for you out of Ephesians chapter two, and then I'll explain what I'm talking about. Ephesians two says this out of the Living Bible: "It is God Himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Now look at this. And long ages ago, He planned that we should spend these lives how helping other people. God's plan, God's idea." was that you would spend your life making other people's lives better. That especially, and, and the, the the emphasis here are those people who say, I have handed over the keys of my life to Jesus Christ. I have given my life to him. I identify myself as a follower of Christ, especially those people. Your whole reason for existence, according to Ephesians chapter 2, until Jesus takes you home to heaven, is to help other people now here's what's crazy about that to me is that's how God designed us yet most of the time if you're anything like me a lot of us uh, walk around hardwired to help each other yet most of the time we see each other as the competition or the opposition anybody else feel that way let me answer it for you you do Let me let me prove that today. I'm going to give you some scenarios and hypothetically speaking these things may or may not be actual events that have taken place in your pastor's life but ignore that for a minute and just as I tell you these scenarios ask yourself am I guilty? Let me give you some examples. Have you ever gone into Walmart and you just need a couple of things like that's one of the differences between men and women Like, I don't go to Walmart or Target with my wife. And you might think I'm a terrible husband, but I'm actually a really good husband because the reason I don't go to Walmart or Target with my wife is every time we go together, it ends in a fight. Can you guys relate to this? Because when I go to a store like Walmart, I'm on a mission. I know exactly what I need. I'm going to go find it, and I might even time myself while I'm in there. And I'm going to get exactly what I need, and I'm getting the heck out. My wife... She likes to look around. You all relate to this? Like, she's just looking around. Anyway, have you ever gone into Walmart and you're walking down the aisle of Walmart and there's someone who's not even a decent enough human being to walk the proper speed limit down the aisle at Walmart? (laughs) And you know that they're doing this on purpose just to make you mad. Here's how you know. When you put on your Walmart blinker to go around them... And you're having to pass them on the right because they're in the left lane and everybody knows the left lane is the passing lane. And you go around them to pass. All of a sudden, without putting their blinker on, they turn down the aisle and cut you off causing you to slam on your Walmart brakes. (laughs) And you know they're doing it just to tick you off. And guess what? It works. (laughs) Now fast forward... And you get up to the checkout, right? Even now we have self checkout. And when self checkout was born and created, I think I may have dropped to my knees had a sacrifice and praised God in heaven because I didn't have to wait on the inefficiency of checkout people. If, if you've ever been a checkout person, I'm sure you're lovely and you're really good at your job, but I'm just a selfish person and I just like to go, right? So at first when self-checkout came out, I thought this is from heaven. This is like manna from heaven. It's for me and it's going to answer all the problems in my life. Little did I think though that other incompetent human beings were going to choose to do self-checkout, right? Now we've created a whole nother problem, like yesterday when I was in Walmart. And I'm just waiting. All I have are two things in my hand. I have some finishing nails, and I can't even remember what's in the other hand, but it's going to take me 12 seconds to check out. And I'm watching the other people at the self-checkout, and they're staring at these check out things like a deer in headlights, like they've never seen anything like this before. And they're kind of looking around going, like, what do I do? Get out. Like, if you don't know what to do, get out and let somebody go that knows what they're doing, right? Then you get to the exit and you're just, you just want to go to your car. And have you ever noticed by chance that there are huge signs over the door at Walmart and one says enter and the other says exit. And I'm telling you, it's more often than you think that I come really close to punching people in the face (laughs) because they can't read. And I've got my basket and I've got right of way in exit. And they're coming in the exit and they're walking directly at me thinking I'll show him is that a, am I the only one? Like, you guys are laughing like this never happens to you. How about this? The doctor or dentist office. You walk in, and nobody wants to go there. Nobody, like, is all excited and giddy, to, especially the dentist. Let's just use the dentist. And if you are a dentist or you have dentists in your family, God bless you, but I, I hate you, okay? And, <laughs> and I have been terrified of dentists my whole life. Like, you know how I'm terrified of flying? Dentist, same deal. I, my heart rate goes up. I don't want to be there. But anyway, you walk in and the waiting room is completely empty, right? Like you can pick anywhere you want to sit. So you go over and you check out and you survey the situation. And if you're anything like me, I look at the waiting room and the way it's designed and I think to myself, where could I sit right now that is the least likely place that someone's going to want to sit by me? You know, never mind anyway so I do this and 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 here's what happens the next couple of people that come in have the entire waiting room to pick you know where they sit they want to sit by you and then heaven forbid they want to talk I'm not at the dentist's office to talk I'm there to try not to hyperventilate because these people are going to put sharp instruments into my mouth and they're like you know all that kind of stuff and even I don't know maybe I'm the only one but even if they don't want to talk to me I always get heavy breather person sitting next to me right and so you're trying to look at your phone or read a magazine and all you hear is Darth Vader two chairs over right <laughs> and don't even get me started on traffic right But I will give you one example that happened the other day. I don't understand. Like I'm all for safety. Actually, I'm not very safe, but I think safety's a good thing. And I think when you come to a stop sign, you should stop and look both ways. Okay? But don't sit there forever. And and the the pedal on the right makes your car go right. And so like push it hard and just go on through the intersection, there's nothing worse than me being four cars back from someone sitting at the stop sign and all they want to do is mosey through. Do they have any idea what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to go? I know you guys can relate to this because some of you, even though you don't have to admit it out loud, you can confess it before God today, that's when you say bad words in your car. That's, you're, you're just like, hey, you know, <laughs> Mike's in the back going, hallelujah, brother, that's me right? I see more people tell each other they're number one at stop signs than any other place, right? Let me give you another example of how our human relationships are broken. Last summer, Michelle and I took a road trip, a two-week road trip, which we've never done before. Didn't have a plan, we just went. But one of the stops we had to make on the way to visit our daughter in Tennessee was Ikea, otherwise known as man hell. <laughs> and I, I know they have decent food. I think it's cute that they have a restaurant right there in the furniture store. That's really nifty. But on this day, I didn't want to be there. And I, we, we were getting my daughter some furniture for her, her new house in Tennessee. And the lady at Ikea was just rude. And my wife is my witness. She was really rude. Now, normally you would think a God-fearing, people-loving pastor like me would just let it slide. And on this day, I was not in a sliding mood. And I let her have it. And in front of my wife, in front of my daughter, I just ripped this lady up one side and down the other. And I, I, I pulled the go get your manager right now, you know, and all that, like now you're the authority and you think it's going to strike fear into their hearts or whatever. And all silliness aside, that day, three things happened. Number one, I embarrassed my wife and daughter. Number two, I belittled this woman that I didn't know anything about her life. Didn't know who she was, what she'd been through, I just knew she wasn't treating me the way I wanted her to treat me and number three is actually something that didn't happen I did not give a good representation of Jesus or the good Samaritan on that day and here's why it's highly likely that the reason that lady was rude that day is that something really rough is going on in her life but if you're like me we don't stop to think what's going on there why, why is that person acting that way we just think to ourselves i don't like that you're treating me this way here's the whole point to all that silliness the people surrounding you every day are not your enemies they are broken and wounded individuals in need of someone to pull them out of the ditch that's what this story is all about it's why we're looking at it today because God wants to remind us to look for ways to encourage those around us instead of just waiting and expecting them to ruin our day think about this question and and this is this one's actually worth taking a picture of today what if our entire life mission and by our I mean your what if your entire life mission was to make other people's lives better what would our world look like? It would require us to be a lot more patient and, and allow interruptions in our daily life, right? But if you don't get anything else I say today, please don't miss this. Everywhere you go, including maybe here today, or on your way here, or on your way home, or at the grocery store, Or at work maybe it's even your boss maybe it's your spouse or your kids or your neighbor there are people lying in the ditch and they're just hoping will somebody stop and and the sad part about this story as it relates to christianity is a lot of people spend a lot of their lives lying in the ditch waiting for someone to stop and help And the people that pass them by on the other side of the road are the very people that should stop. They're called Christians. And we wonder why people are skeptical about the church. Because they need our help. Now, something else the Bible doesn't really go into detail on is the spiritual condition of the man doing the helping. And we really don't know the spiritual condition of either man, but I want to point out about the Samaritan. Most likely, again, he's a Samaritan, which means he grew up in a part of of Israel that was anti-Jewish God, anti-Yahweh. So more than likely, he wasn't a church-going, God-fearing man. Look at verse 36 with me again, because there's this drop the mic moment that Jesus has after he tells the guy the story about the good Samaritan. Jesus asked the man again, now which of these three, remember a pastor or a priest, then the temple assistant, which is kind of like an assistant pastor, and the Samaritan all came upon this man on the side of the road. At least those are the ones we know about. He said, which one of these would you say was a neighbor to the man? Who was attacked by bandits and the man replied the one who showed him mercy and then jesus said you go do that and the reason that's a drop the mic moment is because everybody within the sound of jesus voice right that moment knows the story and the bitter feud between samaritans and jews they get it because they live it every day and, and I'm, I'm going to make light of this, but think, okay, like, and what I mean by making light, like, I'm not doing the hatred here justice, but think all the way back to the 1800s and the Emancipation Proclamation, when white people, even though black people now had all the same rights, white people looked at them like they were not even human. And then the same black people who were being abused and taken advantage of of white people, this hate grew inside of them because of the way they'd been treated and and their people had been treated. Take that hatred that you can relate to as an American and it doesn't even compare to the type of enemies that these two men were. And Jesus knew that when he told the story. And the point he was trying to get across is You don't get to choose who's in the ditch on the side of the road in your life. Because Jesus knew in that moment that most of us, if it's someone we really care about, we'll stop. Like if it's a loved one or someone that you you do care about or go to church with or, or, or whatever, if you see them in the ditch, you're stopping. What about your enemies? What about people that hurt you, hurt you, or take advantage of you, or look down on you, or mistreat you, or dishonest with you.
1: Let
0: me ask you a really tough question this morning. It's not on the screen. Just let it settle over you for a minute. Who in your life is lying in the ditch waiting for someone to help them? reason I ask you that question is kind of our final point today and it goes like this you'll know you're dangerous when you're willing to go in the ditch and help someone that you know doesn't deserve it it's interesting to me because a lot of the times we look at each other even people that we work with or live with we we look at each other and we think what a jerk instead of asking the right question, I wonder who beat them up. I wonder if anybody stopped yet to help them and bandage their wounds. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe that's why I'm having this encounter and they're so abrasive or rude to me right now because God wants me to have eternal eyes on and recognize the fact that this person needs help. By the way, here's a fair question. And I know somebody here today is probably thinking this. What if I'm the one on the side of the road in the ditch? Then what? That's a great question. And I got a good answer today. Here's answer number one. The only person that wants you to think that you've got to live life in the ditch is your enemy, Satan. You don't have to stay there. Sometimes being dangerous is just getting up. And we don't know what the Samaritan's story was. Maybe he had his own wounds that day. And so if you're the one in the ditch... Don't let the enemy lie to you this morning and say, just because you're wounded, you can't help other people. You should just lie in the ditch and feel sorry for yourself until someone comes to help you. I don't have scripture to back this up, but my own personal experience as a believer, the times that I have experienced the greatest, quickest healings is when I put my wounds aside can focus on the wounds of other people. Maybe that's what God brought you to t- here this morning to tell you. Is that you don't have to stay in the ditch. I pray this morning that you have people around you that will stop. That's why we preach life group around here all the time. If you're not in one, if you don't have a circle of friends that look out for you, You should because eventually you're going to fall in the ditch and you need people to crawl in there and help you out but even if nobody comes that's not an excuse for you to lie there and say oh well this is my fate because it's not you know I know because in John 10 10 Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy in other words the thief wants you to stay in the ditch but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly so get up get out of the ditch you don't have to live there that's what the enemy wants you to think are you dangerous and by are you dangerous what I really mean today is are you looking for people on the side of the road in your life who need your help because that's dangerous Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for crawling in the ditch. When we didn't deserve it. You came down from heaven and literally got in the middle of our mess to help us. Ephesians chapter 2 says one of the greatest ways we can show our gratitude for what you've done for us, Jesus, is to do the same for others. So as we close this morning, God, my prayer is that right now, starting with me, you would bring to our minds people in our lives. Maybe they're cranky, maybe they're rude, maybe they're just sad and depressed they've been beaten up by life and left on the side of the road and they need somebody to stop we bring those faces to our minds so that this week we can be the one who kneels down and gets their mess on us and in doing so we're not just a good Samaritan like society calls it Jesus we're being a picture of you and what you've done for us Thank you for the truth of your word. May we go live it out today and this week.